Welcome to our North Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you. For further information about our church, please visit churchnorth.com or check out our social media at Church North. Today's speaker is Pastor Tyrone Reed. Today I want to speak on a, on a, a scripture and on a topic that's probably known to all of us in this room, if you've been in church for a certain period of time. It's a very familiar um, passage of scripture. Um, I won't read it just yet, but it's, um, it's taken from Matthew 22, and it's about the, the greatest commandment. And I think it's good to spend some time like really like speaking about this, just because it's pitched as the greatest commandment. Like, just to give a, a tiny bit of context... Like Jesus is, he's in a place where he's been sharing his, his teaching, sharing his parables um, with the people. And it's got to a point where the Pharisees, this is during Passion Week. So this is during the week where Jesus has come back into Jerusalem and he knows that week that he's going to be crucified. And there are Pharisees and Sadducees that are seeking his demise, seeking to see him killed They see that what he's teaching and what he's doing is leading a revolution. People are leaving Judaism and following the way of Christ, following the way of Jesus, believing that he is the Messiah, and they don't believe. And so they start firing questions at him. And it gets to a point where Jesus is just like, he's a bit of a, well, I say a little bit. He's he's an absolute wordsmith. Like you ask him this question to trip him up and he ends up just tying you in knots with his answers. And so the Pharisees, one of, one of the Pharisees takes an attempt and uh, this Pharisee is, is what's known as like, um, he's it's, it's one of the teachers of the law. So someone who is trained in legalism, so knows the law inside out. And I'm just going to um, read very quickly this passage. It's Matthew 22, verse 34. We'll read through to verse 40. Um, But I'll focus mainly around verse 37 and 38 and 39. It says in verse 34, Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, And with all your mind, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Like I said, it's a very very familiar passage of scripture. It's been preached many times. Um, There's an aspect I want to really sit in today. But we see here that this expert in the law seeks to test Jesus and wants to know what is the number one commandment. In the Old Testament, there's like 613 different commands that are given in the Torah. 613, so there's a lot. You know, the first five books of the Bible. And this expert in the law, this person would know all of them. Maybe the majority off the top of his head, if not all of them, by heart, memorized And they ask him, what is the number one commandment? So you're thinking, this is the chief, most important thing. And look what Jesus' answer is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your mind, with all, sorry, love you, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. First and foremost, the greatest commandment is to love. It's commanded. You know, we often see in, in our culture and in our society today that love is, is very much felt. It's like something that you feel, so you're drawn towards someone. It's something that's hard to articulate, it's hard to describe. But you're drawn towards a person, can make you do kind of crazy things, can make you make some, let's say, questionable decisions. Um, but it's not always clearly articulated. Uh, there's a, there's a, um, quite a well-known um, Bible teacher out there called uh, Dr. Vody Borkham. He, he defines love as this. He says that love is an act of the will accompanied by emotion that leads to action on behalf of its object. I'll say that again. Love is an act of the will. Right, so love is first and foremost a choice, he says. Then it's accompanied by emotion. So there's definitely feelings within it. It's just the, the choice safeguards the feelings. Does that make sense? The feelings aren't to lead and then the choices follow. So love is an act of the will accompanied by emotion that leads to action on behalf of its object. And we see this demonstrated through Jesus or through the Father, should I say? Because the Father loves us, his children, his people, right? And so what we see God do is, you see in one of the most famous verses in, the, in all of the scriptures, John three sixteen, it speaks about how God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. And so when you, when you think about this, you, you see that God has first and foremost chose us. There was nothing about us that was lovable, if that makes sense. We turned from him. And he's like, I am going to choose to redeem these people. Then what happens is, is God is, is so emotionally invested within his choice. You know, there's, there's a lot of uh, debate. I'm no psychologist in any way, shape or form. I've done little bits of reading here and there, you know, just like armchair psychology. Don't come to me for a diagnosis. You, you will end up worse than when you first came to me. But like, there's quite a bit of reading bet- between are we rational beings or are we emotional beings and how the two can sometimes work against each other or work together. And through the little bits of reading that I've done, it seems as though there is a strong general consensus that the two work together hand in hand. One feeds that like, your emotions will impact your decisions, your rational thinking, but your rational thinking can also shape your, your, your emotional feelings. It can be a good screen and help you to, to see, is this feeling actually true? Or is, my, is myself deceiving me? Is this making sense? So love is an act of the will accompanied by emotion. We see that God has, has, is emotionally invested in us because it says that when we do certain things, it says that it grieves God. Do you see what I'm saying? So, and, and when Jesus comes to, to earth and he's baptized, it says that this is my dearly beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And the righteousness of Jesus is placed on us. So if he sees Jesus in that way, he sees us in that way too. And so Jesus, God, the Father, is emotionally invested in us. He's chose us. He's emotionally invested in us. And so his action is to therefore send his son to save us. Does that make sense? It's like this demonstration of love. And what Jesus is saying here is, I want you, the greatest commandment in all of the Bible, he says, is to love me. Love God. 
Now, I have to make this clear. He's not throwing out all the other commandments when he says this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and, and, and mind. And then love your neighbor as yourself. He's not tossing out all the rest and just saying, just stick to these two. He actually affirms all the rest of the laws. When you look at the Ten Commandments in, in Exodus in Exodus chapter 20, verses 3 to 17, we see the Ten Commandments listed. And in the Ten Commandments, it's it split into what's known as the two tables of the law. And so you have the first half, which is, um, which is essentially how we love God. So it'll be like, you know, you should have no other gods before me. It speaks about how we should keep the Sabbath. It speaks about these things, our relationship between God. It's known as the vertical aspects of the, the law or the Ten Commandments. Then you have what's known as the horizontal, which is how we treat one another. So, verse, so command six through to ten is then about how we treat one another, how we shouldn't cover. Like it, it will speak about how we shouldn't bear false witness. It will speak about all these different things about how we treat and, 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 and safeguard one another. We shouldn't murder. We shouldn't steal. And so in this you have how we love God and how we love one another. Jesus essentially is summarized into these two verses. He's, he's summarized the Ten Commandments. But Jesus says in, in verse 40, he says, all the law, sorry, in verse 40 of, of Matthew 22, he says, all the law and the prophets hang on these things. And this is why it's important. He's saying that these two commands, they are the foundation from which all the other commands spring forth. He's saying that everything comes out of this. It comes out of a love for God and it comes out of a love for one another now I don't want to get into the weeds there are certain um, laws that are fulfilled in Christ you know you, you can mix fabrics and stuff like that if you know a little bit about Leviticus and stuff but he's speaking about this is the foundation for which the law is given it's all about loving God and loving one another and this is why Jesus had so much against the Pharisees because they got stuck so much in the details of the law that they forgot the very essence of it. It's like that Jesus in, when you fast forward to Matthew 23, you see what's known as the seven woes to the Pharisees and you see Jesus like just going at the Pharisees and he's speaking about tithing. He says, you guys, you will tithe even down to the tiniest bit of mint. But then in the, same, in the same breath, you'll overlook showing mercy to your brothers and your sisters and showing mercy to other people. It's like you've missed the whole point of this. The tithe is an act of mercy. It's to help, one, serve the people in the temple, but then also those who have less. It's a, it's a display that you're giving unto them as well. Yeah. And it's like you caught so much in the detail that you've missed. You've missed the whole point. All of the laws stem back to this These two commands here, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. It all stems from here. So, Jesus is speaking about that. We are to love God. Greatest commandment, to love God. And so we have to ask the question, well, who is God? You know, I don't have tons tons of time to... to, um, to unpack who God is, but in a nutshell, if we were to give just a brief description, I would say that God is the supreme being, the creator and the ruler of all that is, the self-existent one 
who is perfect in power, goodness, and wisdom. I know that there's a lot within that. We're talking about God, aren't we? <laughs> There's a lot within him. It says, the supreme being, the creator and ruler of all that is, the self-existent one. He, he exists in and of himself. One who is perfect in power, goodness, and wisdom. And all of this is revealed through his word. Bearing in mind, we're talking about the commandments, right? And we're talking about loving God. And so we have to ask who he is. And God has revealed himself in the scriptures. You know, Dave spoke a couple of weeks ago, spoke so powerfully about the message on grace and truth. And in grace and truth, he was speaking about with the truth aspect that Jesus in in John 1 and 14, you know, mentions that God became flesh and lived and dwelt among us. And Dave very rightly said that in God, there is no change. And if he says something, that is it. And and so what this means is, is that what God says here in his word is an expression of who he is. He's expressing himself. And we are called to love God. And so think about it like this. If If you're married in the room, imagine claiming that you love your wife or you love your husband. But then you care nothing for what they say. You just ignore them. The whole marriage, say nothing. I mean, you just don't listen at all. Just tune out. Now, I'm not saying that's us <laughs> in the room. But what I am saying is, is, when you love someone, you care for what they think. You care for what they have to say. You care for what they have to, you know, what grieves them, what, like, raises them, what encourages them. You, you, begin, you become, like, quite accustomed to knowing what that is and wanting to know what that is. And so this is, this commandment, this foundation from which all the commandments sit, they sit in a place whereby it's it's foundational for our faith. Jesus is saying we are to love God. And that can be um, very challenging, I can say, for anyone, no matter where you sat in the world, whether you're in... I don't know, sub-Saharan Africa, whether you're here in the West, whether you're in North America, no matter what it is, there's always temptations that will lead us away from God and that always will challenge us in our love for him. There is always something vying for your affection. There's always something else wanting you to love that thing more than God himself. Always. Because when we come to a place where we love God, where we are, we want to be in his presence. In his presence is where we're transformed. And this is what the entire gospel is about. It's about how we're saved. It's about how we're changed. How we've gone from old to new. How we've gone from death to life. And it's this process of transformation. But that's done in the presence of God. And the presence of God is found through his commandments. He's found in the commandment. You read his word. I know I'm labeling it as the commandments, but you read his word. And you'll see, you'll get to know who God is. And in, in 2 Corinthians 3, towards the back end of it, it says that when we behold the glory of Jesus, little by little, we are transformed from one degree to the next, it says. Just little by little. 
loving him and coming before him and being in his presence, it changes us from one degree to the next. And it's this beautiful, often slow process. And so, the question is, is how are we to love God? This, this text says here, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all, all of your mind. Now, I think it's easy to read this and then like start to, to, to box up the human being. What, what I mean is, is like, focus on, okay, how do I love God with my mind? And then how do I love God with my heart? And how do I love God with my soul? And it's almost like there's a separate, it's easy to separate and try and focus in, in that regard. Um, but the problem is, is here, what Jesus is really saying, if we were to even simplify this even more, Jesus is saying, I want you to love God with your whole self. Like the whole of your inside and the whole of your outside. Like just every part of you, like every fiber of your being, like love him. That's essentially what he's saying. Like when we think of the mind, we think of the intellect of man, how, it, you know, it's like the gateway to your heart. Because let's say if your heart is right, your, your desires, it's what you desire, it's what you feel, your emotions and stuff. Right. But to get to what you desire and to get to what you, you feel, it, it comes through the mind. The mind first receives it, processes it somewhat, and then it enters in. And so there's always some level of overlap. You can't just like take them apart and separate them completely. And then your body will then do what it does. You'll make a choice and then you do some, you know, I, I want to wipe my forehead. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm hot. <laughs> my soul knows I'm hot. <laughs> my mind is like, maybe you should do something about that. My body's like, okay, cool. <laughs> like it all works together in sync. Is this making sense? All works together in sync. But if we're going to love God with our heart, our soul, our mind, like in other words, the whole of ourselves, it means that there is a whole transformation. It's holistic from the depths of you all the way from the, it's from the inside out. Like every part of you gets changed to some degree. Some of you experience bodily hearing, healing on, on this side of eternity. Do you know what I mean? Like some, some of you will experience like a shift in mind. And sometimes it's momentary, like in the moment. And sometimes it's over time, little by little, day by day. Like I was saying, from one degree to the next, being changed. Like you will see a shift and a change within you. If you love God wholly with every part of yourself. But like I was saying in the beginning of the message, the reason why this is speaking to me most in this, in this season of life is simply because, like, I'm, well, God saved me, like, 15 years ago. It's a long time. And, you know, I, like uh, Pastor Dave was saying, I pastor the young adults, been doing this nearly five years now. And I know I'm only 33 years old, but it could be easy to think that, you know, I'm, I'm at a good place in my faith. I'm not saying I'm in a bad place. But it, what I'm talking about is complacency. It's easy to be, be like, oh, yeah, well, I, I'm doing this. And I've been here for so long. And people come to me for encouragement and advice and, and counsel and stuff. And so, you know, I'm, I'm in a good place. 
But there's something about God when you're trying to draw nearer to him, he exposes more of your heart. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and, and for me personally, like, I'm going for a season where God's showing me how, the parts of my heart I haven't given to him. And I think it's the same for many of us in the room. And I don't say that from a place of judgment. I say this from a place of, I think this is just the journey of faith. It's just a part of the journey. It's not about this destination per se. It's about like, there's just this journey that I'm walking out. And I've realized, not to go into too much detail, um, but like, you know, just when you have past hurts, when you've been hurt in your past, maybe even when you were younger, you, you create defensive mechanisms, you put walls up to certain degrees. And I've realized that, I'm re- God is helping me to realize where I've put walls up for people. So there's parts of my heart that you guys can't get to. But then that same wall exists for God. And what I mean is, is it's okay to pray about some things, you know. For me, it's like forgiveness in, in certain relationships. So it's difficult at this moment in time for me. I'll be very honest with you, very difficult at this time. Not to accept the doctrine of forgiveness. It's fundamental to faith. It's absolutely fundamental. It's clearly written in the whole of the gospel, the whole of the Bible. It's all about forgiveness. But to practically outwork that, the difficulty lies for me personally is in where this wall has come up. It's come up because of the fear of being hurt again. And even though God is as trustworthy as he says in his word, the Bible says in in Proverbs 30 and verse 5, every word of God proves true. His word doesn't fail. His promises in Christ are yes and amen. But when you've built up a defense mechanism for so long, and then it, God comes to a point where it's like, yeah, I want to get into there too. And then your fear rises of, oh, well, I've never let anybody else into here just in case it hurts. And I've got used to doing that. And now you're telling me to let you in. But that's a bit of, it's not so easy. It's not that I don't want to trust God. It's just I'm very much stuck in my ways. I don't know if anyone relates to that. And so it takes this time of breaking down a stronghold so I can love God with my whole heart my whole self and it's often our fears it's often our vulnerabilities it's often hurts it's often the parts of our life where we are incredibly invested you know you've spent 20 years at your career like working away at it Educating yourself, training yourself, moving city, moving country, climbing the ladder, non-stop. And then God says, I want you to give that up and go and be a missionary. You're like, hey God, I've got like 150K invested here. <laughs> You're just going to send me over here for, for this. And then you start to see this resistance. It's not that the person doesn't necessarily trust God, but then you start to see how deep does that trust go? And what is Jesus saying here? The greatest command, what the whole foundation of the Bible is built upon is your love for God with your whole self. With the whole self. And so he will knock on that door. And God is patient. He's patient. And this isn't because God is this just tyrannical, 
controlling God, wanting to pull the puppet strings, I want to do this for you. It's, it's the fact that one of the biggest barriers for us, giving ourselves, just like I was saying, you have fear, where you're invested in life, etc. But ultimately, it's sin. Ultimately, the, the, the thing that holds us back from giving our, the whole part of our, our hearts to God is, is sin. What I mean by this is, I'm not necessarily just talking about, you know, Tyrone, don't steal a flannel from church because you're sweating. Like, and you take one anyway. I'm not, I'm not necessarily talking about behavior. In, in Romans chapter 3, Paul makes an incredible, not necessarily insight, he's, he's drawn from, in this passage of text, right, Paul's drawn from loads of different parts of the Bible, from like various parts of the Psalm, Psalm 5, Psalm 10, Psalm... To 140, from bits of Proverbs, bits of Ecclesiastes, and he knits it together in this like beautiful poetry to show how like how essentially how depraved mankind is. Right. I'm gonna make sense of this. He says in, in, in verse 10, he says, As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is not one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. And then he goes on to talk about how our throats are like open graves. It's like, you imagine a grave and the stench that comes out and we use our tongues for deceit. The venom of snakes is upon our lips. The way of peace we have not known. He says all of these things. And, but the point I want to make is Paul says here, all have turned. And this is the problem with sin. It's not so much the behavior. The behavior is, yeah, it's wrong. But it's the fact that Tim Keller makes a very good point on this. He says that sin is directional and relational before it's ever behavioral. It's directional. It is relational before it's ever behavioral. So you think about it, right? We're talking about loving God with our whole heart, loving God with all we have. And what sin does is it starts to turn us away from him and then bind us to it like I was talking earlier about strongholds, it's rela- it, 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 it says all have turned away, turned you away, and it, it builds a relationship in the sense of holding you onto it, holding you close to it, before it ever becomes a behavior. That's the whole point of it. And this is why in the Bible, sin is dealt with so harshly, even by Jesus. Look what Jesus says. If your left hand causes you to sin, what does he say? He says, cut it off. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. He's not literally speaking to, you know, dismember yourself, but he's, he's essentially saying, why? Because it will take you away from me. And the thing about this is, is what sin does is it, it fractures. It fractures the way things are meant to be. The world doesn't function how it should. This is why God is coming back to redeem it. We as human beings don't function how we should. Humans aren't designed to sin. We're designed to be sinless. To sin is anti-human. You think we have a mind that will, will want something. Like we have a mind. We will, the Bible in, in Romans 1, again, it, it speaks about how we can conceive sin, right? And then, so what happens is we end up with this desire that wants to do something that we, we shouldn't want to do, and then we end up doing it. It's like sin starts to permeate all aspects of the body. And it starts to let parts of the body work against each other. Sin isn't good for your physical body. It's not. But a depraved heart will desire it. 
And so what happens is sin, what it does is it fractures the way that humans are designed to function. And this is why God is saying this is the most important commandment. Because he's like, what I've come to do is, is piece that back together. We're not, and it's funny because we can end up trying to love God in a fractured way, in a sinful way almost. In the sense of, let me just give God my physical presence, but I don't want to give him anything else. I'm not letting God into my heart, but I'll rock up to church. Now hear my heart, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. That's where, that's where I was. My first 18 years of faith, I would show up every week, every week without fail. I remember one time I, I went out like with my pals. But we went out, we, we missed our last bus. No one had taxi fare. I had a tenner in my wallet, but I was like, nah, I'm not paying for the taxi for everyone. So I walked home. It was like five hours just to hold on to this tenner. Right. <laughs> and I would tighten it. <laughs> I ended up getting home at seven, go to my mates, get home at 7 a.m. Sat in church. Half 11. I was a bit late, but half 11. Sat in church. Not a Christian. I was just, I was present with my body. Didn't want to give God my heart. Didn't want to give God my soul. I wanted that for me. But I gave him my, pres- my physical presence. But guess what God did with that? He took it. It's like, all right, just give me your body right now. But day by day, week after week, after hearing this word, so I'm going to do something with it. And little by little, I'm going to hammer it further and further into your heart until there is a crack. And the seed that I've placed in you starts to bud. And this, I say this to say, if you're a Christian in this room, I'm saying this to say, don't be content with just giving God your physical presence, but not giving him your desires and saying, God, change my desires so I can love you more. Not giving God your mind, letting your mind think all sorts and not handing it over to him for him to change you and transform you and make you like him more and more, little by little, from one degree to the next. So I'm saying, guys, if you're a Christian in the room, give yourself over. And I say this as a man struggling to do it myself, but I'm persisting. Sharing this with you. I've shared this with my friends. I'm like, pray for me. This journey is tough of this vulnerability that God's asking of me. But I know God only asks for good things. And so I have to trust him. I'm, I'm encouraging you to do the same. If you're not a Christian in the room, but you come and give your physical presence, amazing. Amazing. Stick with it. I encourage you, give a little bit more of your heart. Read the word and see what it does to you. The Bible tells us that this is incorruptible seed. 1 Peter 1 and 23. It's incorruptible. It does something in your spirit. It can't be undone. Give God your physical presence. He will do something amazing with it. And so, as I wrap up, questions is when we're as, as we're loving God with our whole self, as, as God is asking us here in this, this text. 
Will it be a painful process? Probably. Do you know what I mean? Will you be let down? Most likely. Will forgiving someone be like, I don't know, we've all gone through different things in our life. Or could it be one of the hardest things you have to do? Potentially. But if it does hurt, would God heal you? Absolutely. The Bible speaks about how he's Jehovah, Rapha, our healer. If you're left, will you be left alone? Will God leave you alone in the process? No. The word tells us that Jesus Christ is Emmanuel. It means God with us. Bible tells us that he will never leave us nor forsake us that he is always there even in the times where he feels he is completely absent and can you trust his word Isaiah 55 it tells us that his word will not return unto him void but it will accomplish that which he pleases and it will prosper in the things where he has sent it He has given us his word. His promises are sound. Like I said earlier, every word of God proves true. The key word, prove. It proves true. And so we have a tremendous opportunity. God has come to earth in flesh in pursuit of you. In pursuit of you, every individual in this room, I'm not pointing to a specific person. I'm pointing to every single one of you in this room in pursuit of you. And what will you do with that? Christian or not? Like, man, do the things in this life really matter to the extent we give it when we have God in pursuit of us? Like, think about it, like, God is saying, I want you, and I want you to be like me. So we have much to ponder. And so, as the, as the band comes, I just want to pray in this moment here, specifically, like, just for us, if that's okay. Because, like, like I say, as, as challenging as this may be in the sense of, you know, giving your whole self that, that encouragement as you're along this journey where God is little by little doing more and more in you and, and asking more from you. I just want to encourage us that we wouldn't, that we wouldn't shrink back from him, from him, but that we would lean in and trust him. I think it's good that you know we I'll, I'll pray over you but if someone comes to your mind like pray over them as well pray for each other in this room if you don't know the person next to you just breathe a word of prayer it's in your heart if you're not a believer that's fine just sit in silence and, and receive but I just want to pray for us as I think as, as Jesus has quite rightly said this is the greatest thing it all hangs on this our love for God and when we're so full with a love for God We have more than enough love for each other.
Let me pray. Father, I thank you so much because you are a great, loving, and merciful God. I thank you that you pursue us to the point of which you do, that you as God would clothe yourself in humanity, limit and restrict yourself to how we are as human beings in a broken, sinful world. and die taking our place just to give us a chance God I pray pray for everyone in this room that we we would receive you holy and that we would give ourselves holy over to you God for the fears in the room your word says that perfect love casts out fear pray for your love to just penetrate hearts penetrate my heart and that God we would live for you so that we could be just beacons of light just mini yous here on earth showing people in this world that there is a hope and that hope is in you Jesus and so we thank you Father for what you're doing strengthen us help us to trust you and help us to trust your word in Jesus mighty name I pray Amen